hey, do you like what we do, but want to hear it in Boston? Well, the fucking Avengers, the thing with fucking Chris Evans, you know he went to school around here and shit, right? He fucking grew up around here. Dude, that fucking house in fucking Knives Out Kid that he was in, that's in fucking Weston, Massachusetts. I drove by it. My uncle, my uncle, okay, he's a fucking contractor, all right? He drives a truck. It's got ladders and shit on it, right? He has fucking pictures of Chris Evans working on that fucking movie and that that asshole Rian Johnson that made that fucking stupid Star Wars movie I hated so much. That guy right yeah he was fucking there too and oh a fucking james bond kid oh shit i fucking saw james bond and shit i had to send a picture of that to my fucking aunt she was like oh my god bring him over here i'm gonna fuck him so fucking hard and i was like auntie we're on a fucking group chat with ma i don't fucking care ma can come over here and fucking fuck him too for all i care and then we went on and on and on and everybody was fucking and now i know too much about my family kid then you should check out this week's sponsor the Chipman Brothers Tangent, talking about literally anything, be it nerd news or the lasting trauma of Catholic school. Chris and Bob Chipman have you covered. Listen to the Chipman Brothers Tangent on your favorite podcasting site today. Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ork, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. How's it going? Not well. For anyone who isn't in our Discord channel, I caught the COVID this week. For the first time since the pandemic. <laughs> or ever, I guess. You had a good run. Yeah, and I know exactly how I caught it too, because I went to a, a D&D game last saturday and there was someone there who i haven't seen in like four years so i got excited and i gave him a hug and the next day he found out that he tested positive so i definitely got it from him <laughs> that sucks yeah and i think i'm on the tail end all i have today is congestion which sucks if you're doing a podcast because it affects your voice i'm i'm sure hey man waxel's ready to you know slide on in waxel's gonna die it's gonna be a mysterious accident that no one knows the cause of so why do you hate waxel the community loves waxel <laughs> he's a threat that's why have you seen law-abiding citizen because i'm gonna go law-abiding citizen on that wal walrus clone so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, I think the people feel different but we'll see all right, speaking of the people, we're going to talk about our patrons, the people that have been with us, some of them in the beginning, some of them recent, but still, you have continued to support us on this long, crazy journey. Our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Gelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Gelly, Cook, Arthur Crane, Kevin Bay, Brendan Eddie, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Patrick Hansen, Carson Mellis, Scott Rubin, Derek Kite, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, head on over at patreon.com forward slash geeks with yields. 25 cents an episode keeps us on the air and gives you access to all all sorts of cool content by the way as a quick cap on what i was saying before i am vaccinated uh we're very anti anti-vaxxers here so sometimes you just get unlucky anyway <laughs> yeah you people get us mixed up all the time you live in idaho i live in washington similar but not the same yeah yeah <laughs> although i live in a very progressive part of idaho but still <laughs> you're, you're in the little blue bubble in the sea of angry seething red and there's still a lot of angry red here it's like a it's like a yeah. krill filled water you know yeah no it, it's idaho i mean potatoes and nazis yeah yeah 
Anyway, it's a joke, but it's not that much of a joke. Well, it, well, literally, the town that we spent a lot of our teenage years in, there were, without going into too much detail, there were literally two main gangs. One was the natives, and I mean like actual like criminal element, and then the one was the Aryans, and they would literally have fights, particularly at the skate parks. So like. <laughs> That's what we deal with. So. Idaho is way worse than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> what it, I heard someone once refer to it as the most northern southern state. So. Yeah, that that is that is true. Yeah, accurate. Not even once. Okay, so let's let's get to actual happy, positive. Although based on this list that you sent me, maybe difficult conversation. Yeah, that's so. gonna be fun. Well, let's let's do the first thing. We've been doing this five years. Woo, go oh, us! Yeah, five years. Woo. That's uh. Isn't there like a material that's supposed to be associated with five years? I think it's the wooden anniversary. Wooden? Okay, wooden sounds right. Because I know. Pa- I only know like the first and the tenth. Because the first is paper, right? Yeah, the first is paper and the tenth is iron. Okay, so wooden makes sense. Let's say let's say wooden. I get you an imaginary wooden horse figure. So. That's some Trojan horse shit. I, you you said it, not me. So. No, honestly, I did not think we would make it this far. I thought we'd get bored and trail off at some point. I'm glad we didn't, because I told you from the beginning that my reasons for getting into it would be largely to have an excuse to chat with you every week. And That's that dog is going to drive me crazy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this for five years and have had reasonable, better success than was originally anticipated. Yeah. Certainly. I know that we did have, we had one almost stumble at like the year mark where where things got tense, but after that, smooth. <laughs> we had a couple, because if you have been listening since the beginning, the podcast is radically different in form. That's true. And that was, I think a big shift was we decided, I decided to stop trying to be so rigid in its format and that made it a lot easier he wrote some pretty strict script stuff especially when it came to history things and i get it oh the history, history nerd almost killed me yeah but I, but i told you from the beginning i was like dude it's let's try to be a little more free form <laughs> yeah no there's a reason warrior corners still take a long ass time to put together which is why we don't do as many of them as their popularity would suggest but no those original ones i had all the books out and was taking pages and pages of notes and i just held myself to a standard that i didn't need to because i'm a crazy (laughs) yeah so yeah we are celebrating five years and to make it extra special we are celebrating five years with our discord compatriot and it looks like we've got three people in the audience so hi three people (laughs) so if you're listening back to this and you hear us commenting or referring to what they're saying in our chat that's what that is we decided you know it'd be fun to have a live audience and to maybe interact with them and if nothing else they get to see how this is made prior to all the edits Exactly, and as always point out, they can contribute in a way and give us little talking points or ideas, or send Grogu's at us. That's fine too. So yeah, no, this is one part celebration of five years. One part you should really come join our Discord because we have lots of fun. And you know, Twitter's exploding as of this recording. So oh, Twitter's just a hot, unpleasant mess. Like I check, I keep an eye on ours just to make sure I don't respond to anything and just to keep up the presence. And every time I go on there, it's just a crowd of people yelling angrily at everything. And it's like, oh, 
No, I'm fucking going back to the Discord. It's better there. I mean, that just sounds like how Twitter's always been, but... <laughs> it was, but there was, like, there was jokes, and there was fun, and kind of some goofy stuff to get through. Now it's just everyone being mad all the time. Hmm. It's like all the fun people said, oh, fuck this, I'm out. Fair. Okay, well, let's get into our five-year topic, as it were. <laughs> but, well, this is closer. Oh, God, this is a 20-year project, actually. We are going to talk about all of the comic book movies since the year 2000, with one notable exception. And, are, oh, go ahead. We are not talking about MCU stuff, because we have covered MCU stuff extensively through the life of this podcast. Yeah, and MCU is the, you know, the golden boy for content creation topics, so we can we can let it be for a week <laughs> so. yeah and i mean like i said we go back to it often enough we've talked about it often enough we're gonna get in and this is also kind of fun because i see so many people have declared oh the last run of the mcu has just been horrible we are going to go back and talk about what horrible was <laughs> and because not good marvel is not the same as horrible yeah and can't promise you're going to talk a lot about a lot of these. There are many of them I didn't see or just know by reputation. So and There's a lot on here. Not all of them are worth discussing. If anything, we might just be reminding you that they exist. <laughs> Some of these I didn't realize existed until I was making this list. I'm like, oh, fuck, that was a movie. And the list that was that, a bad movie. And the list that Ulrich has made, he's curated it into decades and then alphabetically within the decade since 2000 yes, so now one final caveat we went round and round and round about this and ultimately decided we would only include movies <coughs> that were based on comic books because we had to shrink the list a little bit yeah yeah because if we do every superhero movie then we have to start discussing like well is also, this really a superhero movie or not a superhero movie i mean i'm of the opinion that james bond is a superhero so like yeah it creates those kind of conversations so. yeah and then we'd have to have that conversation and this was already like would you would not believe how hard it is to actually find a categorized list of superhero movies by decade like there are huge gaps in some of them yeah exactly and we can definitely have that conversation at some point norse meat so but for now comic book movies so all right so we're starting in the 2000s with Batman Begins, the start of the Nolanverse. Which you could argue was the start of a, I want to say a superhero, like, movement in, in how movies were done, but it, it really was, because Christopher Nolan made his Batman Begins movie, and suddenly, for a good chunk of time, a lot of superhero movies were trying to ape that specifically. I mean, that really more happened after The Dark Knight, but since Dark Knight is the sequel to Batman Begins, we can, we can aim there. So. Batman Begins kind of set the template for warner brothers moving yeah. forward superhero movies like we're, we're still they're still getting their grub we still got x-men's kind of in the mix spider-man's still in the mix blade's still in the mix now i want to be clear and i've been clear in the past i have actually uh come around on batman as a character a lot since i started working with someone who is a batman super fan and we talk about like what's going on in in the comics and whatnot and the more i'm into batman as a character the less I like Christopher Nolan's movies. And I already yeah. didn't like Batman Begins or Dark Knight no, Rises. I did so. not like Batman Begins. So I, I, I skipped the Dark Knight for the longest time until the hype built up around it. 
but no, this is definitely an episode I'm kind of percolating on that I want to get some Batman fans on, but talk about the fact that Mask of the Phantasm might be the only truly good Batman movie in that it captures the nature of the character. Uh, well, again, I'll just tell you as a side note that I've heard my super Batman fan friend tell me and agree with me that Matt Reeves' Batman actually is the first live-action Batman movie to capture Batman as a character, especially year one Batman, but... Different conversation, different movie. I'm already hearing grumblings from other Batman fans that are kind of going, wait, no, th this isn't a good Batman movie. But Anyway, yeah, Batman Begins has, I would say, three major flaws for me, personally. One is it's largely forgettable. I don't remember most of that movie. and I remember parts of it. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the worst things a movie can be is boring and unforgettable. Two, and this is true for all three... I've never liked Christian Bale as Batman. I like Christian Bale as an Nobody actor. Nobody liked is... Christian Bale as Batman. Batman fans convinced themselves they liked him as Batman, but he's so boring. Yeah, I like him in other things. He's amazing in The Machinist. I love him in The Prestige. I love him in all sorts of stuff. But he's he always been... the show in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, essentially. You, uh, you mean Love and Thunder, but... Oh, yeah. But point is that he's a bad Batman. He's always been a bad Batman. It's it's largely not his fault. I think it's a lot of script and uh, and the, the uniform and certain decisions about like how the character should be portrayed. Point is he's bad. He's not good as it. Yes, the Batman voice, obviously, Patrick Bat Bateman. Bateman. Anyway, third though, and this one is the one that really hurts me because I love Liam Neeson. I like most things that Liam Neeson does because I just think Liam Neeson is awesome. He's a genuinely good actor. Rachel Ghoul is if possibly my favorite Batman villain. I love Rachel Ghoul and Liam Neeson is not Rachel Ghoul. Liam Neeson was never going to be Rachel Ghoul. The sheer fact that he's an Irish actor means he never should have been chosen to be Rachel Ghoul and it pisses me off to a level that it really shouldn't since I'm not you know, Arabic. I have no particular connection, but Rachel Ghoul's entire backstory and personality and construction is based in. Anyway, sorry. It just it yeah, really no, bugs me. Like if if we even if we set all that aside and treat this as a fresh adaptation, it's not an interesting version of the character. Yeah. You know, it's a very well. I'm going to destroy Gotham because reasons, and and I think like the worst. Like, the thing that sticks out to me about this movie, and it's kind of a problem of this decade, is it's so damn dark and unpleasant to look at. So... Like, the whole movie is wet and dark and brown. Yeah, but hold on. Tell me if you remember what... Because Norse Meat in our chat's telling us about a bait-and-switch. I think it was because the movie was trying to say someone else was Raish, someone who, like, wasn't talking ever. Yeah. And then at the end they it turned... They did that whole thing. Yeah, no, there was that whole plot point of, you know... Because he thinks he dies and he comes back and he was his best friend. It was like, ha-ha, it was me all along. And it was like, okay, this is still going. And then there's the scarecrow of it all. Uh, okay, actually, I remember being fine with uh, Aldrich it's, it's, Killian. It's is yeah, that it's, the... it's Killian, and it's fine, but it's just, he was a more interesting villain. Why did you think we needed this bait and switch? As a side note, I hated his mask, but that's because I'm oh, really, I'm a really and sucker for the, the like, wide-brimmed hat scarecrow mask from the animated series. Well, so. this was realistic and grounded, and that was our, should have been our first warning sign of things to come. Yeah. I don't know, Scarecrow is, like, literally, if I think about my top Batman villains, period, it's like, Rachel Ghoul, Scarecrow, Bane, uh, for different reasons. 
and Mr. Freeze. Joker gets his own category. We don't talk about Joker because he's overplayed. But so literally two of like my top ones were in this movie and one was actively infuriating and the other one was okay but forgettable. So Yeah, no, I know all this one kind of wasn't really liked when it came out and then people kind of brought themselves around like it. Some people like it now. I kind of feel we are on the verge of people kind of washing their hands of the whole Nolan verse thing going you know, parts of it are good, but it hasn't aged particularly well. Yeah. Well, to me, it's funny. The Nolan Batmans always fit in the same place in my brain as Avatar, in that, oh, here are things that everyone around me loved when they came out, and even back then I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that's, that's more than needs to be said about Batman Begins. Yeah. We got too many movies in this list that we spend way too much time on this anyway. So let's go to the next one. Let's group these two together because it's the high point and the low point of the trilogy and that's blade 2 and blade trinity which i can't say anything about i haven't seen either i know ryan reynolds is oh. in one of them and he is at some peak ryan reynolds-ness in whichever one he's in it's but... he's in blade trinity and it's basically his deadpool audition yeah i've heard that but no it's it's bad and dracula's the main villain and they have to cgi wesley snipes eyes cuz he was fighting with the director and is this uh i heard one of the ones where wesley snipes like threatened the director and the director had to hire bodyguards against wesley, wesley snipes wesley snipes went crazy in the third one ah which uh is it which one of these movies has the ice skate uphill line that's the first one. That's the first one? Okay, so the first one... Because the first one's good, right? It's just the... the first one's good. The second one's great. The third one's garbage. Okay, go because on. Because the second one is directed by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, oh. And Blade has to fight, you know, Guillermo's uh, test run for the vampires from The Strain. Okay. They have predator faces and big long tongues that come out. That sounds very daybreakers. Vampires. Yes, really cool design. There's a cool hit team of vampires that goes along with him, including Donnie Yen and Ron Perlman. I mean, I like hearing Donnie Yen and Ron Perlman. Those are both good names. So Yeah, it's 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 a fun action movie with really good creature feature effects. And again, it's just building out the first one setup. And then the third one is the third one. <laughs> fun. I mean, Blade 2 also introduces, oh, what's his name from The Walking Dead that we all loved? for some reason. I don't know. I didn't watch The Walking Dead. Boondock Saints. Oh, oh, uh, oh, why can't I suddenly remember his name? Yeah, I love that guy. Uh -huh. Yeah, 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 I no, know you're talking. This was his first appearance. Okay, okay, fair. So, yeah, no, this is again, like, the peak and the valley of the franchise. And again, it's a terrible script, it's a terrible movie, and Wesley Snipes went crazy. That's just, like, he started, you know, referring to himself as Blade, and... Patton also has got a whole bit about how off the rails Wesley Snipes went. Well, it taxes. Anyway, let's move on <laughs> to the next movie, which is... I know it was legendary for a while. I don't know who talks about it anymore, but Halle Berry's Catwoman was a thing. Oh, God. So, Slagathor recently went back and rewatched this, and it's so much worse than I remembered. I believe you. I remember seeing just clips of some CG, like, climbing scene. And... Oh, though, it... Everything about it is bad. 
Oh gosh, her well, outfit. Oh, that. The outfit isn't bad. Everything else around it. No, the outfit's pretty bad. It's bad for a different set of reasons. It's and it's it's good for a different set of reasons too. But yeah, but I I hate it. I it it makes my brain hurt to see that. It, it is such a weird relic of the time when superhero movies are just kind of being chopped up and sold as their IPs, and it's. It makes me like, sad because I think Halle Berry is a talented actress who could yes. very easily have done a good Catwoman. But... Yes, but like there's a germ of an idea in that the villain is covering up a cosmetic scandal, I think. Okay. Like the product is actively hurting women and they're covering it up and that's the whole... Yeah, like, you could have a good... A germ of idea. I mean, that sounds like something Paul Verhoeven would set up. So Yeah, but... I think this kind of comes back to I I don't know if Catwoman works as a hero, and the less said about anti-heroes, the better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Catwoman is not supposed to be uh, a hero. She's definitely an yeah. anti-hero, but she's an anti-hero and even more so than other things. She's an active thief, and you can't yeah. take away the fact that she is an active thief. <laughs> so. so, like, maybe a, I don't, maybe a high school, I don't know what you do... Sounds like your cat disagrees with us. <laughs> yeah. There's animals in the background of all of this episode. Anyways, no, this was a hot mess of a movie that was bad at the time, but also indicative of this decade in the war and bad super movies in that they took the name and nothing, and they put a star in, and then they just kind of built around it with a generic story. And, oh. I also yeah, remember no. it was one of the first movies that I remember seeing scenes of, and I was like, why is everything the same color? Like, all the time in this saturated orangey yellow kind of thing that's this decade like just brown yeah anyway next on oh, the list speaking of brown movies constantine. constantine and i know that constantine has its fans and i yes. get why because i mean keanu reeves i adore keanu reeves at this point he's basically a saint and he's apparently a great person it's hard to say against him i still think he's an okay actor he yes. when put in the right position he can really shine but doesn't yes. mean he's varied, but it's okay. Not all actors no. have to be super varied. I just think that Matt Ryan plays the character so much better that I don't really think about this movie anymore. So It's 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 not good. Yeah. Like I have a version of Constantine in live action now that to me is Constantine and it ain't this movie. So I don't know what to say about it. Also, I... side thing, but I have a real strong opinion when it comes to um depictions of the devil me and you have talked about this before like my favorite depiction of the devil is from reaper yeah. and and this particular depiction of the devil he's they're trying to go with this idea of like he cannot hide his corruption the whole his feet are covered in yeah they, he believes everything okay i'll say this everything around keanu really interesting really good keanu is a lead weight on this movie. I don't know if I'd go in that, that far. I think he's fine in this movie. I just think he's not particularly No, inspired. he doesn't work for me. Like, I enjoy everything else around this movie. Like, oh, that piece works. That piece works. The story works. But I don't know if this is before he learned how to act or before he learned how to dial in his type of acting. But this 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 doesn't work. And I know everyone's excited they're finally getting a sequel and it's like, maybe it'll be better now because everything around the central premise of this movie is really cool and really works. Hmm. I mean, oh, why am I blanking on well, Gabriel? Oh, the it's, it, well, it's funny because Norse Meat's saying his quiet lack of charisma and it's funny because I don't, I wouldn't say lack of charisma has ever been Keanu's issue. If anything, he has a natural charisma and his problem yeah. is when he tries to <laughs> act too much 
I mean, look at his, his depiction in... Oh, what was that movie with him as the Southern lawyer uh, with Al Pacino in it? That was great oh, movie. De- oh, Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate, yeah. Like, look at what happens when Keanu really tries to, to almost subvert his own charisma, I think. That's why, like, John Wick is so great, because it's him just relying on his own charisma. So I would say John that... Wick's right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, so I would say that I think he does... Oh, jeez. Picture of Keanu smiling creepily. Uh, so I think that he he does naturally work for what Constantine wanted. That's why I think it's... I will disagree with you, Ulrich, that I think he's fine as it. I just think that his particular type of charisma, which is like a laid-back cool, is not what the character of Constantine should be. But as you pointed out, it may not be comics accurate. Is it okay as a movie? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, that's kind of rising. Like, people love it, and it's just like, I like pieces of it, but I, I'm not getting excited for the sequel because I think we've had better, you know, Constantines at this point. Yes. Sidebar, Al Pacino is awesome in Devil's Advocate, for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's worth watching just for him. Anyway, continue. <laughs> All right. Here's another clunker from the decade. Uh, Daredevil. Okay. Clunker... <sighs> Daredevil is a weird one because it has... It works in parts. Yes, it has a lot of parts that work. Like, I actually think Ben Affleck is fine as Daredevil. He's no Charlie Cox, yeah. who we found out would be a revelation later. But we've also got... Uh, oh my god, why can't I remember his name? The guy playing Kingpin was so good. Yeah, Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan, thank you, was inspired oh as Kingpin. We'll get to Bullseye. We will get to Bullseye, Scott. Yeah, uh, okay, we can do it now. Colin Farrell. Okay, Colin Farrell knew what movie he was in, and no one bothered to correct him. Yeah, so I would say that Colin Farrell showed up to have fun. He's playing Bullseye, not comic accurate, and not drama accurate. He's He's a psychopath, and that's Bullseye. Yeah, he's just playing a, having a fun time with this character, so... Yeah, he needs to... The problem is, he's in a different movie from everybody else. Actually... It's a very 2000s movie, everyone's very dour and I somber. I personally think I can summarize the problems with this movie in one word. Electra. Everything outside of Electra works to the degree that it's meant to. I love Electra is bad in every live-action adaptation. And I don't know why. Like, Electra is this badass ninja lady in the comics that they can't seem to figure out how to adapt properly. So. Yeah, no, it's definitely... And I feel bad because Ben Affleck got <laughs> shit for this for so damn long. It's like, it's not your fault. Yeah. The costume was cool. Some of the CGI was cool. The ending really works. The pieces are there, more or less. But Elektra is just this albatross that's holding down the movie. Every scene that's... Well, she gets one cool scene, which is her and and Matt fighting in the playground. Like No, that scene's dumb. I disagree with you. I think that scene is I great. I hate that scene. That scene... That's the scene that, you know, Colin Farrell's bullseye is in. Because, remember, this movie has the Evanescence song, which totally sums up the vibes of what this movie's going for in very dramatic and serious and angsty and blue. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. Blue. I'll accept the blue because, yeah, the color saturation is too much. But I just think about Michael Clark Duncan. I think about how fun Michael Colin Farrell is. So, awesome. so like, I, I will agree that I think the movie gets more. It's not a great movie, but I think it definitely gets more hate than it deserves. Then again, no one really talks about it anymore at all now that we have Charlie Cox's Daredevil basically has completely rewritten the entire, like, idea in people's minds of what Daredevil is, so. 
you want to jump the queue and talk about Elektra real quick? I did not watch it because she was so bad in, in Daredevil. See, this is one I don't think anybody really remembers came out, but I watched because this was in the time like, I'm finally getting my comic book movies. I'm going to watch them. And I watched Elektra and I went, that was, that was boring and confusing. Bad. I don't know anything about it, so I can't say. Yeah, no, it... it <sighs> It, 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 I don't, I can't describe it because I don't remember much of it except it was boring and bland and bad, but not bad in any real memorable ways. All right. Well, we also can basically just quickly summarize The Dark Knight, which is the next on this list, as Heath Ledger is still great, but there's not much else actually in this movie worth yeah, talking about. Yeah, that movie, the more I kind of dwell back on it, it's like, I don't know how much of this really worked outside of a couple key parts i 100 percent object to the idea of it being one of the top 10 best films of all time yeah agreed well because like, i had some internet hype that we, we get it, it was good i understood it at the time but the more time's gone by the more i think yeah i like heath ledger and yeah, i still heath don't Ledger really elevates everything around it and it makes the stupid ass batman voice all the more awkward. Yeah, so I don't have anything more to say about The Dark Knight because I'm like, I think, I still don't like Christian Bale's Batman. I still don't like Michael Caine as uh, Alfred. I, I don't even like uh, freaking Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, which is hard to imagine not liking Morgan Freeman in something, but they make it work for me. So I don't like the fact that the movie is basically a giant allegory for George Bush's handling of 9-11. Once that was pointed oh. out to me, it made things very uncomfortable. Oh, so. this whole, this trilogy is very politically wrought in ways that don't age it well. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to uh, The Punisher. I watched this movie so many times trying to like it and make it all the way through when it came out. So, I don't know if you have it, I'm sure you have it later on here, but, because I didn't watch The Punisher or The Punisher Warzone, I have heard that Warzone is well-liked, but not this one. They're both bad in kind of the similar ways of Punisher's a weird character to pull off. The Literally the first episode we ever did of this podcast was about the Punisher, although we, talk, yeah. we were talking about the TV show. Yeah, no, the Punisher, I don't know why it doesn't work. It's just, it's not really interesting. There's a great fight with the Russian that kind of goes on forever and has great They Live vibes. Well, and it's Patrick funny. Jane's a great casting as Frank Castle, but it's very dull. Well, it's funny to me because Frank Castle fits really well into the 80s type of movies that Harrison Ford was doing a lot, honestly. Yeah. So I'm not saying Harrison Ford would be a good Frank Castle. I have no <laughs> idea if he would, even at his height. But, no, I can't see it. Yeah, but I'm just saying that Punisher is a kind of character that fits really well into a certain subset of movies, so you think he'd be easier to, to do, but he's a very charged character, I think. Anyone who tries to adapt him has to grapple with that and what that means. So, the Punisher is just—we've done a couple episodes on the Punisher. We might do another one just because Punisher's a interesting character that is is really uh, octagonal peg I, in a triangular hole. I will say though, and Norse me just pointed this out. There is a short film called Dirty Laundry that is a the Thomas Jane version of Punisher that is really well done, but it's a short film. So it's like you yeah. don't actually have to grapple with dealing with adapting Punisher for a long time. You just show up for Punisher to do his Punisher thing for about 10 minutes, and it's awesome. So Yeah. 
No, Punisher is just a weird one. We might have to do an episode on him. Yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen that, go, go look up Dirty Laundry. It's pretty awesome. So he kills a guy with a with a beer bottle. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, we can probably spend as much time or as little time on this one. Superman Returns. Okay, Superman Returns makes me sad for a few reasons because I'm a big Superman fan. I will always defend Superman because I feel like he is unfairly maligned by my generation and younger generation. And there are aspects of Superman Returns that were so promising. Brandon Ruth is a decent actor, not a great one, but a decent one, who looks pitch perfect like like Christopher Reeve's Superman. So looks the part. Before we knew that Kevin Spacey was a was what he is. Well, this is that, a terrible one because it's Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer together. Exactly. So it's like alright. The giant elephant in the room with this one is that there are just terrible people associated with this. So no matter how good the movie is, it's kinda hard to get away from that. I do believe in a certain level of separation of art and artist, so I can look at it outside of that, but Anyway, the movie's not good enough to separate. It, exactly. The problem with this movie largely is that it's dull. Like, it has good things in it, but it's just super boring. It also raises questions that we shouldn't be asking in Superman. Like, the the classic one the internet is obsessed with at this point is that, oh, Lois Lane f- was had her memory wiped, but then had a Kryptonian kid. Shouldn't she be asking um, rape questions about Superman? And if you're writing a story where rape and superman are in the same sentence something has gone horribly wrong along the way so yeah no this one always uh, sticks in my head because my mom was so excited for this because she loves superman and then it came out and we just kind of sat there and watched it it was like well that was a movie so i'm not sure what what scott is mentioning here but he mentions Uh, that x-men and x3 was ratner and Superman Returns was Singer, and they, you know, switched. As in, like, the directors basically switched which property they were working on so they could each make a terrible movie of the other? Yes. Okay. Okay. All unfortunate, so. (laughs) All right, let's do another cursed franchise. Uh, Hold on. Before we, real quick, I will say, having Brandon Ruth reprise Superman in Crisis in the Arrowverse, though, was cool. Because, again, Ruth is a fine actor, but he does embody that role pretty well. So, that was at least cool. Anyway. <clears throat> All right. Fantastic Four <coughs> and Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. I didn't watch Rise of the Silver Surfer because Fantastic, Fantastic Four was so terrible. But It was. Again, there are things in Fantastic Four that work. Thing. Almost everything with Thing works pretty well. That actor He's does cool. a good job. The, yeah, Michael Chiklis. Yeah, the, the, the effect looks good. It's a practical effect it looks pretty cool so so this again this is the decade i watched all the superhero movies because i was determined to find the diamond in the shit but here is the big capital letter reason why fantastic four fails they don't understand doom at all and we've talked oh they screwed doom so bad like they screw up mr fantastic they screw up the invisible woman they do okay with the human torch they do the thing pretty well but they ruin doom and doom is the most important super villain in comics like period he is the gold standard the platinum standard for super villain in comics and you did him so dirty they, they I, do default it's watered down lex luthor oh and then the fact and that then... i heard fantastic four rise of silver surfer and i was like 
I just remember hearing they turned Galactus into a, a cloud or something. I was like, yeah, after Galactus what you shows up as a big cloud, and I don't think I finished it. I think I got to that one. Like, oh, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. After this what they just... did to Doom, I heard that. And I was like, oh, I'm so mad. Well, I was excited because they were gonna bring Doom back. I'm like, okay, second shot at Doom. Let's see what they do. Now, here's a funny thing that's been pointed out in our chat because Chris Evans. Got his first like comic booky role that we know of here playing the the Human Torch, and what's funny is because Chris Evans right is now famous for being Captain America, and someone pointed out I was reading an article that when Knives Out came out, people were surprised that Chris Evans playing a a hole, and it's like no, Chris Evans has always been super good at playing an a hole. Him playing Captain America was a surprise. The surprise that someone who's so good at being an a hole can actually be a really nice, upstanding character as well. So yeah, no, it just it just shows your uh, first exposure to uh, Chris Evans because no, he he was a really good snarky asshole in the two thousands. Yeah, not another teen movie. I haven't seen it in well over a decade, but I remember enjoying it. He's fun in it. It's still a bad movie, but anyway, I, I imagine it is. Yeah. So point is that no matter what else, like they could have got all the Fantastic Four perfectly right, and if they still did what they did to Doom, I would hate this movie and with every fiber of my being. Because you got to do Doom right. You can't fuck up Doom. So. All right. What does there to say about Ghost Rider? Nicolas Cage had a great time. Nicolas Cage is a giant Ghost Rider fan, and getting watching him be infectiously enjoying the role was cool. It, the effects look pretty good, despite being you know not practical at all. Like the movie's plot is just dull, uninteresting, and boring. But I like watching Cage be Cage. I don't know what to tell you, man. I think this one's kind of fun. It's not great, but it's fun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like this movie. It, it it actively turned me away from Ghost Rider for the longest time because the movie was just oh boy. It it. Mm. I don't know. I, well, I think that depends. What is your cage ness? How how are you on cage? I don't get the appeal. Like everyone's excited for Renfield because it's him, and I watched the trailer. I'm like, oh, this looks like I should enjoy it. I don't find Nicolas Cage inherently funny. Well, it's not funny. That's not the right word. Think, it's No, I think there's definitely people that like, oh, Cage being Cage is so funny. And it's like, okay. I, I mean, I he can be. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent was really funny. But I like Cage because Cage is... There's a sincerity to how Cage way plays things. He is like melodrama personified. Like, the idea of a naturalistic performance is almost offensive to him. Not that he can't do it. He he can. He did it in Lord of War. But... Yeah, he has some really... He makes... I don't understand Cage. I don't... And I think that's the idea. You aren't supposed to understand Cage. He does roles that he likes, regardless of, like, things like the money or the meaning. No, or the he, money definitely plays a factor. Well, sometimes. Sometimes he's forced to because he spends millions of dollars on a skull. But... <laughs> Uh, I love Willy's Wonderland. Willy's Wonderland is amazing. But anyway, point is that in, in Ghost Rider, he's playing a character that... I will say that, honestly, I think he doesn't play it big enough. He plays Johnny Blaze too subtle, which is weird to hear for Nicolas Cage. But when he gets to do like the transformation stuff, great, great moments. So yeah, not a great movie by any stretch of the means. It just has moments that I enjoy, so... All right, let's talk about two of my favorite movies, uh, Hellboy and Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. So, sadly enough, I've only ever watched Hellboy 2 once. The oh, you got to fix that. It's the better of the two. 
I've watched Hellboy 1 many times, and I've only ever watched Hellboy 2 once. I don't know why, because I remember liking Golden uh, Golden Army a lot, but I don't remember it at all. Like, none of the details stick down in my Golden head. Golden Army is where they broke the dial off the Guillermo del Toro-ness. Really? And then he's like, hey, what if the whole story was about, you know, misunderstood monsters and, you know, humans being terrible and it's 90% practical effects and, oh, look, here's a whole market full of what my mind looks like. I do think it was funny that I was showing my girlfriend Hellboy, just just scenes from it, right? And I showed her clips of Ron Perlman as Hellboy and David Arbor as Hellboy. Uh, so she had no context for the movie, she has no context for the characters, and she much preferred how David Harbour looked because she thought that Ron Perlman just looked like someone painted him red. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, you know what, I can kind of see there's a certain flatness, but I still like it more, so... I don't know. Well, just... Perlman can act under all the makeup. Yeah. Is the difference, but... Well, it's funny, because I love David Arbor. I do, but he's put under too much makeup in that movie is certainly what's going you on know, there. The budget wasn't there. And, like, the, I'll always admit, Hellboy, the Guillermo del Toro ones, are nothing like the... They're, they're Guillermo del Toro movies before they are adaptations of the comic. Well, yeah, because the comics are way darker. Way well, darker. They're, they're way darker. They're less fantasy-oriented. They're just... They aren't really interested in humanizing the characters. And between this and Pan's Labyrinth, this really feels like this is Del Toro in a nutshell. I mean, sympathetic monsters. Yeah. I mean, I also love the fact that Abe Sapien, they got uh, Niles Crane to blame in that first movie. And I think I I held it against the second movie that they didn't get him back. Well, that's its own weird contentious thing. Because Doug Jones is playing Abe and voiced all the lines for Abe. The studio then cut him out and had him redub because they didn't think he was a big enough draw. Ah, uh, you know, it's funny because as an actual like person now hearing that, I am grumpy. I'm just telling you how I felt at the time. Yeah. So, so then when they did the second one, Guillermo del Toro put his witness like, "No, you are not replacing my actor." He went through the process of learning the lines and putting on the makeup. He gets to voice it. You know, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Because there's also a pay differential, and I don't think he got paid. He didn't get paid for starring in the movie as much. Yeah, I, I'm definitely glad to hear that. I do need to give Gold Army another shot, or not another shot, because I did like it. I just I need to watch it again to remember it, because I don't I, remember. I, Golden it. Army again. It's more Del Toro. It's monsters. It's magic. It's huge things. It's humanity is kind of terrible, and and apparently never getting that third one by the way apparently uh hyde the the niles crane guy he was cool with that he was actually supportive of of del toro doing that according to according to scott here yeah no i know it's a whole big messy thing but yeah but anyway ron perlman's wonderful he's he's always fun to watch i will contest that ron perlman has never done a role where he is not fun to watch in it so i think there's something but i can't think of it right now anyways next one on the list well we already talked about punisher war zone to a little yep. degree so we can not i think we, there. We're we can skip past it angley's hulk i saw it's this bad. movie not because i wanted to but i saw it three times in theaters with different groups of people and i fell asleep during the third one it's 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 bad Again, yeah but the main just, reason it's it. bad the main reason it's bad is because it's boring you made a hulk oh, movie so boring and then they ruined absorbing man and like, the CG at the time, I think, was okay. Now it's very dated. But the biggest problem is that the movie spends so much time just with Eric Bana just 
talking at someone and not interesting talking. Like, Mark Ruffalo can get away with that sometimes because he's he's like a charismatic actor. And not that Eric Bana isn't a talented actor in some regards, but he's just dull. The movie is dull. Yeah, and I mean, Ang Lee's an impressive choice. I like the comic panel cuts that he puts in, and I like some of the stylistic choices. But this is a dull, boring-ass movie. Yeah, I... I remember liking the. They made a video game based on it that was actually kind of cool, where you yeah, could jump around the city. Yeah, it was a fun video Hulk. game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so something good came out of it. I don't, I don't know what else you want from me, man. Hang Lee's Hulk was just boring. All right, uh, I'm gonna make this next one a promo for the film rescue show. I'll leave extraordinary gentlemen. Yeah, we, we talked actually... about it. We fixed it. Go listen to that. <laughs> we spent an entire thing on Montressor Media doing how, how to fix League of Strange Gentlemen, and to give you a quick like bit to to entice you one of our basic ideas was swapping out uh tom sawyer for oh i can't remember his name john henry john henry thank you and so if uh if john henry as league of Strangers gentleman doesn't get catch your interest i don't know what to tell you man so yeah no that that's that's the problem all right i'm going to give you all the runway for these three because this is your baby your love child your one true pairing yeah the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Sp- Sam Raimi Spider-Man 1 is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I keep a list on Google Docs, and every time I see a new movie, I add to it. So it's currently at, I think, 160 movies, which could be way longer, but I have rules. As in, I only put one movie from certain franchises, like there's only one MCU movie on there, Thor Ragnarok. There's certain like directors, I only do only one Wes Anderson movie. Only Certain actors, only one like Jackie Chan action like comedy. So I have rules like that, right? So I have only one Spider-Man movie, just one. And even though Into the Spider-Verse is probably the objectively best Spider-Man movie to be made, Sam Raimi Spider-Man 1 is my personal favorite and it's in my top 10. It's like number 6, I think. And I oh man. So I remember hearing uh I think Bob, movie Bob did when he did his really that good on Spider-Man 1 and 2. He talked about how Spider-Man 1 is basically the the prototype the urtext for what the MCU would eventually do, where it was very comic-accurate adaptation of costumes and ideas and whatnot, because before Spider-Man, like, X-Men really is attributed as being the first, like, big breakout in the new superhero renaissance, but X-Men was still doing that, let's make everything like the Matrix, right? So I don't count it. But Spider-Man was like, no, this is... Spider-Man was the one character I actually read a lot of comics of as a kid, so... I actually have a personal connection to Spider-Man. I know with I could ramble about Spider-Man. This is how it is. And I love Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. I think that he gets memed a bit too much. Yes, he, he cries and has goofy faces, but he's playing like an emotional, kind of melodramatic performance that is intentional. I think Kirsten Dunst is perfect in the kind of role she is trying to play. Yes, Mary Jane has some problems as a narrative construction in that movie, basically being a goal for the hero, but again, this is a a literal teenager's story. I think that Willem Dafoe is so enjoyable and pitch perfect. There's a scene I talk about any opportunity I can that is perfectly emblematic of why I love Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, where he's not even in Green Goblin persona. He's just Norman Osborn, and he's talking with his son, and he's talking with Peter, and, and, and Harry says something like, oh, you're still looking for a job, right? Maybe my, maybe my dad could help you. And, and Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn just looks at Peter and smiles. And that's it. And it's so genuine. This idea of, like, this man loves inherently the idea that he can use his influence to help Peter. 
And that little character moment, just that small thing, tells you so much about, like, the actual good heart at the center of this broken man. Uh, this man who is breaking at this point. And, okay, I love Spider-Man 1 so much. And then Spider-Man 2, a lot of people say it's better. Maybe it is. I, I don't like it quite as much. I think the aspect ratio kind of hurts. But I do like that it has a lot more Sam Raimi-ism in it. Not that the first one didn't, but the the whole sequence with Doc Ock basically coming into monster's form, basically being a giant Evil Dead reference specifically, is fucking awesome. And, of course, the actor playing Doc Ock is fucking awesome. So And the, Mary Jane gets to be a bit more of a an agent in the second one. Still some problems, but... Still great. I don't even think I need to defend the second one much because it's it's seen as, like you said, like top ten into a lot of people on the internet. I, I like the first one more, but whatever. The third one is okay. It has major problems. <laughs> it also has some things that are majorly great. Like, almost everything to do with the Sandman is fucking wonderful, except for the retcon that he shot Uncle Ben. That's stupid. Absolutely capital S stupid. But everything else about him, that actor choice, the scene of him coming to life, are amazing. The The way he looks is so pitch perfect. The realization of his powers, great. The There are certain other things that don't work. The whole amnesia story with Harry, fucking dumb. But outside of that, him being the Green Goblin and seeing, like, the, the image of his of Willem Dafoe showing back to, like, talk to him. That scene is great. The Topher Grace's Venom, I don't think it's as bad as people remember. I think he's not great, but I think he's literally supposed to be, like, a, you know, evil kind of inversion of the dorkiness that that particular version of Spider-Man is, and in that regard, I think he works very well. Uh, and then, of course, there's... Hold on, I gotta read... Uh, Peter Parker... Oh, alright, well, if Peter Parker's not your character, then I, I don't know what to tell you, man, so... But he is for me. Anyway, and then of course there's the classic emo Peter Parker, but as I know Bob pointed this out in one of his videos, and I very much agreed from before I even heard him say that, Peter Parker is an uncool loser who has no idea what coolness is. Then he gets possessed by an alien who also has no idea what coolness is. So what he's doing is being what a loser's idea of what cool is, which is itself, of course, not cool, and in fact, super cringy. And as someone who's been forced to watch many cringy television shows, it strikes me as really odd that this is seen as, like, a flaw in the movie, when the whole point is because, you just don't... Because, just because it makes sense in theory doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, like... It is you're supposed to be the intent no, is you're supposed to be in pain watching this you're supposed to be like this is terrible the cut. someone should have said sam i get what you're going for but no get this the fuck out of here anyway is, uh... Spider-Man one and two are stone cold masterpieces as far as i'm concerned Spider-Man three is a six out of ten movie held back heavily by a certain very bad decisions so all right uh let's see the spirit I didn't watch it. One. I <laughs> don't know anything about it. That was easy. V for Vendetta is an interesting one. V for Vendetta is a good movie, regardless of the fact that Alan Moore is Alan Moore about it. Like, yeah, yes. Alan Moore, that's a whole other thing. Well, the thing is that, like, I am of the personal opinion that our authorial intent only matters as far as you, the audience, decide it matters. Yeah. And, and yes, I get it that they watered down V for the movie. They totally did. It's okay. He works in the movie, in the movie's context. The movie is basically a different story than the comic. 
Yeah, and I think if you ex- take that going into it, it's a different story. And again, look at the context. It was it was a big kerfuffle when it came out because it was the height of you know Bush's America, and there was a big uh, pearl collection over. Are we really going to let our children watch a movie where a terrorist is the protagonist? And ironically, I watched it this year on the I counter. I counter. Are you really going to keep from your kids a movie where Hugo Weaving gives an introduction in alliteration? Because that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yes, well, different arguments have different grounds. Anyways, rewatched this recently on the 5th, and I'm like, I expected this movie to kind of, you know, age not well. And I'm like, oh no, this is somehow even more poignant today than it was when it came out, minus the bit about the virus being a government psyops. That part was like, all right, there's no (laughs) way you could have seen that one coming. That's not helpful, yeah. But I mean, everything else about this, like the fall to fascism out of fear, the homophobia, the, you know, general xenophobia, the increased military presence in the police force, everything about like, oh, this is way more resonant today than it was when it came out. Yeah, so no, I I will accept that hardcore FIFA Vendetta comic fans might not like this in the same way Alec Moore doesn't, but I still think this is an amazing movie. Yeah, while separate, except, yeah. except if you separate it from the book and watch it as that, I think it's a good movie. I think it still holds up. Exactly. Now, the uh, next one on our list we don't have to talk about, really, because it's no, the, it's we've the done Watchmen. Episodes on this. And we have literally, yeah, we've done multiple episodes on the Watchmen because it is uh, both of our top threes as far as movies are concerned. I think the second anniversary is just one big, long, wank fest about Watchmen. So, remember what we just said about V Vendetta and separating from the material? That Kind of, but... Because Alan Moore, again. uh, But The Watchmen is a little harder of a conversation in regards to that, but whatever. It's an awesome book. It's an awesome movie. They made an awesome show out of it. Watchmen's just great. I don't know what to tell you, so... All right, let's finish out the decade by taking all of the X-Men movies in one go. X-Men, X2, X3, and X-Men Origins. Uh, Wolverine Origins, right? They're so, all varying degrees of bad. Yeah, the first one is okay. I would say that the first one is okay, like a 6 or 7 out of 10 movie that's held up when by... You, when, you, when you put it against its contemporaries, it looked really good. But it, in terms of adapting the X-Men... Oh, yeah, no... no. Again, adapting the X-Men, it's, it fails entirely. But it's all right as a movie, and it's held up by some great performances. You know, particularly really Sir... Really good casting. Yeah, Sir Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are inspired choices. Hugh Jackman... And Halle Berry is Storm. Oh, God, with the shifting accent. Yeah, but remember that Hugh Jackman was like an Australian ballet dancer before someone decided to cast him as Wolverine. So... And now yeah. he's literally... He's, he's the definitive Wolverine. Yeah, despite the fact that he's nothing like comic Wolverine at all. But that's okay. It's it's literally okay. So Yeah, no. We, we thought they were good, and then time has X2, reconciled it. X2 is also, I think, okay. Uh, oh, I think it's bad. I think it's worse than the first one. I know a lot of people loved it, but it's just like, no, there's... What? I think X2 has a lot of good moments. I mean, literally the entire sequence of Wolverine hunting the soldiers in the... That part's good. Is, ...is good stuff. I also like the idea of the the twist at the... I, I think the mechanism for what's going on is stupid, using Cerebro yeah. to, like, kill everyone. But that twisted idea of Magneto, you know, is basically at first a good guy. All right, I'm going to save, you know, this... Striker from murdering all the mutants. Oh, but I have an opportunity to murder all non-mutants. 
All right, that's a very Magneto thing. I, I thought that was cool. So yeah. I think Pyro getting built up over X2 is pretty cool. I, I'm i a big fan of Nightcrawler in general, and this performance was okay. The makeup looked great. So <clears throat> Yeah, they wasted Lady Deathstrike. Like yes, they, they absolutely wasted Lady Deathstrike. Iceman fails in all these movies, which is really disappointing. No, I don't know about that actor. I don't know anything about that actor. I just know that he fails in the, these movies. He was on The Boys for like five minutes. He was? Yeah. Huh. I don't remember he's that. Lamplighter. Oh, he's Lamplighter. That's that's right. <laughs> he went from being Iceman to a fire guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was kind of the like, you know, meta casting of it all. I don't know. There's not much to be said about X-Men that hasn't been said already. It's made by a series of creepy, terrible dudes. Yeah, but you can't get over the fact that the casting was so perfect that a lot of these characters are now kind of defined by these specific actors. So Kelsey Grammer's Beast is a really good pull. It is unfair that the movie we got with Kelsey Grammer's Beast was X3, The Last Stand. Because that movie... Okay, here's the thing about that movie, I, honestly, though. If you take out everything to do with the Phoenix, that's a pretty good movie. But it's Phoenix ruins it. <laughs> There's still a lot of bad in there, but the main, the central story was, oh, God, and I remember Juggernaut. Oh, God, no. I actually like that Juggernaut, but you know, I like that actor. Why is he wearing BDSM gear? I mean, because Juggernaut wears BDSM gear. What do you want, man? <laughs> so, yeah, I actually yeah. like that actor, and I like that actor as Juggernaut, and I just, I think X-Men 3 is funny. Oh, he's great as Juggernaut. Like, I like the casting, but know that goddamn it's so incredibly homoerotic dude the x-men are incredibly homoerotic what are you talking about the movies yes because it was made by a game no the comics too especially the comics have always been incredibly homoerotic (laughs) i haven't read really any x-men comics well i'm gonna tell you right now that that is a super strong subtext throughout all of the (laughs) x-men anyways that's the 2000s a terrible terrible decade for comics hey there was some good stuff in there based on what we just talked about yeah but there's more bad this is this is like the peak of we had just started we were just getting it figured out a lot of the worst trends are created here all right let's try to get through the 2010s a little faster just a little bit and we can do that really quickly through these next two because the amazing spider-man is literally one of my top three most hated movies of all time. The The Amazing Spider-Man, Crimes of Grindelwald, and The King is Alive are my three most hated movies, and The Amazing Spider-Man is probably my most hated movie ever. I yeah, loathe The Amazing Spider-Man. They're bad, and they were made for bad reasons. Yeah, they were made for accounting reasons, and I love the lizard. What did they do to the lizard? I don't hate Andrew Garfield as an actor. Even before I got to see him play a Spider-Man well in No Way Home, I thought he was great in The Social Network. I think Andrew Garfield is a talented actor who's given a shit script and a shit direction because he's basically told to make Peter Parker into Edward Cullen, and I can't not see that. And... Anyway, I'm not going to get off my rant. I could do a whole hour on why I hate The Amazing Spider-Man. So much so that I did not watch The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I started it and then promptly quit when they made Peter's parents CIA agents. Which I know in the comics they've made them like agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Which I, I don't like either. Yeah. Anyway. No, his parents should not be any of that. 
Yeah, no. A, a big part of what's going on with Peter Parker as a power fantasy is that it was an accident. An accident gave him his powers, and then he had to step up to the responsibility. Once you make it a destined, a destiny thing, you completely undercut that entire message that anybody yep. can be Spider-Man. Anyway, sorry. Okay. All right, let's talk about a fun one. Aquaman. Okay. Yeah, fun. Not a good movie, yeah. but fun. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it is a good movie, but it's it's a fun movie remember, and it's an insane movie. Remember we talked I earlier want... about how Keanu Reeves like has a charisma and he's at his best when he leans into that. Jason Momoa, kind of same deal. He's he's kind of a limited actor. I've seen him in enough yep. stuff at this point to say like he doesn't really have acting skill, but he has natural charisma that if he you can lean work in... in this little thing, and this movie makes me wonder why the Conan remake didn't work. Yeah, and this is essentially Conan underwater. Yeah, probably because they let him be funnier in Aquaman. Yeah, that that's definitely it. No, Aquaman, it's incredibly long, but it's incredibly fun and dumb and... It's not it's, asking you to take anything seriously. It's literally yeah. asking you to be like, okay, this is a myth. This is basically treat this like like a myth, like Greek myth. Like, oh, remember how when you were a kid you heard about... Uh, someone shooting an arrow into the sun and you didn't question it, that's the headspace we want you to be in for this. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, I want this energy for the eventual He-Man movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this, this is what I want. Like, yes, it's dumb, but we are treating it with gravitas. So the joke is, yeah, it's dumb, but you didn't think that as a kid. Uh, okay. Anyway, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Oh, the central focal point of so much fucking dumb shit over the last decade. Can I just say fuck it? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm a big Superman fan. I've come around on Batman, and both of them get treated so dirty. You know what? Yes, the why did you say that name is ridiculous. But it's, I feel it's like so funny. That makes me laugh every time. But I feel like it's a it's such a small footnote in the absolute shitstorm that is this movie. <laughs> yes, because this fucking launched the Snyder cult. And it fucking kept driving this terrible, horrible concept of a universe to where we have it now, where it collapsed and died, and they said, fuck it, let the guy that had Guardians of the Galaxy fuck around with it. It can't be possibly any worse than what we've already done. I don't want, like, I can say some positive things. I kind of don't want to, because I just don't want to feel... Affleck is good as Batman. Yeah, Affleck, okay, more like Affleck can be good as batman again the writing the writing doesn't let him cavill is a even more limited actor honestly than momoa is but again if you let cavill get into the right zone he can be engaging i like him as Geralt in the witcher for example but he never got to be superman not the superman that yo he who okay yeah all right, now this is bad. Let's move on for time to The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, God, The Dark Knight Rises. No. Fuck. Let's not talk about The Dark Knight Rises, because The Dark Knight Rises is bad. I love Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy. He sucks his bane. <laughs> so... I hate everything about The Dark Knight. Hold on, hate... hold on. I didn't realize that Peter Parker and Doc Ock's mom are both named Mary. Huh. Fun. Anyway, sidebar. Uh, well, no, we could talk about the fact that there's alliteration in so many comic book character names, because character names are fucking hard which is why you should buy Scott's book, Naming Your Little Geek. Absolutely. But, anyway, or not but, and continuing that, so, have you seen The Warrior? No. The Warrior is one of my absolute favorite Tom Hardy roles. He basically plays an MMA guy, and he was the one that made me, like, fall in love with Tom Hardy. And then, of course, Fury Road. So, like, I love Tom Hardy. 
I love Bane. Bane is a highly misunderstood character in the Batman canon. He's he's basically he's the only one of Batman's villains who isn't mentally ill. He's instead a like a reflection of what Batman is. So why they chose to not use like anything that makes Bane Bane to be Bane, I don't understand. Because Nolan wasn't interested in the comics. He wanted to tell his own political story with money. And that's what this movie is. This is Nolan's big I hate Occupy Wall Street and all it stands for. And it's long and it's boring and it's stupid. And the movie starts twice. Yeah, it does the literal and it same doesn't understand plot how back injuries work. Yeah, so I hate the Dark Knight Rises. Like I and dislike then, Batman and then Begins. They said, Fuck you. You want Robin? No, you don't get Robin. Oh my god. And they cast Joseph Gordon Levitt, and I love Joseph Gordon Levitt. I would love to see Joseph Gordon Levitt as Nightwing. But no, we don't get that because freaking fuck anyway. I hate everything about this movie, and I hate that there's this small vocal minority that's going, no, no, it's actually not that bad. Fuck you. I saw it. When it came out, it was bad then. It is bad now. Yeah, like, Batman Begins is mediocre. Dark Knight Rises is a better movie than I probably think it is, even though I don't like it. It just has a few good moments. But but Dark Knight... Sorry, Dark the Dark Knight, I meant to say. The Dark Knight Rises is just legitimately terrible. I don't... I'm not yeah, going to hear it. No, and then we bring it all back around to you murdered my father. Who the fuck are you? I'm Talia al Ghul. Who the fuck is that? Anyway... I, I see. I, I got so frustrated with that when I started mixing up my words. So let's move on. Dark Knight Rises is bad. Anyway, Deadpool and Deadpool Two. Uh, here's the thing about Deadpool. It's a cool, amazing miracle that Deadpool even got made, and the fact that Ryan Reynolds was such a proponent of it is really cool. And I think Deadpool One is a legitimately great movie because it is not trying to be anything other than what it is. Deadpool Two, eh? I mean. It's hard to... I don't know. Deadpool 2 is very forgettable. I disagree. I'm in the weird camp of people that likes Deadpool 2 over Deadpool 1. Because Deadpool, I came out of and I'm like, that was good, but that was literally checking all the boxes that they felt were required for a Deadpool movie. I guess. And Deadpool 2 is like, okay, we've established the character. Let's make this like a Deadpool comic and kind of, you know, have fun with that. Maybe that's the case. I just think that Deadpool 2 is forgettable. So... No, I found we got more Colossus, which, goddamn, I am. I was so happy that Colossus finally got done right. True, actually, comic accurate Colossus. Uh, we've got fucking what's his name is Cable, which is a really kind of interesting. Josh Brolin. Yeah, interesting interpretation of Cable, but Cable is a continuity hot mess. So I don't mind. The He's supposed to be. That that, yeah. Yeah. Um, we got an interesting juggernaut, even if he's just a giant CG, you know, monstrosity. He's proportioned very weird. <laughs> yeah, well, so is juggernaut. Uh, we got Domino. Which, True, Domino is great. Uh, they even made, what kind of dumb power is luck? That sounds like something a person who can't draw feet would come up. Good line, good line. Uh, the X-Force being introduced and then quickly slaughtered was a nice... Again, I really like Deadpool 2. It, it checks all the boxes. Yeah, I don't you dislike it. Deadpool I'm just saying I don't really remember it. No, I'm just it. saying like, a lot of people kind of shit on Deadpool 2 and like, oh, they got more money and they're less creative. Like, no, they actually went and you know did what they would do in the comics. I mean, they, they shouldn't have fridged the girl. Oh, but... yeah, no, that was a terrible... I don't know what the fuck... That... Like, I get you wanted to do the Deadpool's obsession with death and not being able to die, but there should have been a better way to... There should have been... They 
Yeah, but the fact that the fact that Deadpool himself makes fun of that in the later on thing he did with Korg, you know, for Free Guy, it's cool, cool stuff. Yeah. All right, let's talk another double feature that I like more than most people: uh, Kickass and Kickass Two. I didn't watch the second one, and I did watch the first one, and I like the first one. Another example where the comic is way darker, but this time, I think that's to the movie's benefit because oh, the comic is. Is, is unpleasant. This yeah. is Mark Miller, I think, being his most Mark Miller. Yeah, the comic is meant to be unpleasant, though, whereas the movie takes the darkness and keeps it, but makes it also fun, which, you know, I yeah. like I like fun. And I love Nick Cage as Big Dad or whatever, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Yeah, yep. Big Daddy is wonderful. And again, much more enjoyable character in the movie than he is in the comic. The, that girl who plays Hit Girl Almost uh, any Chloe Grace Moretz. Thank you, Chloe. Any almost anything Chloe's in, she's great, except for that Carrie remake, which was terrible. But besides the, the Carrie point. remake wasn't bad. It was just a beat for beat remake, and she was miscast. Yeah, exactly. She was miscast. But she's no one's bullying that girl. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. She's great as Hit Girl. Kickass is. Uh... It's funny because I know that actor that's playing Kickass. I've now seen him get jacked. He... And yeah. it's it's really weird to yeah. go back and see him in this movie where he's a dweeb. <laughs> These are both fun transition movies in the uh, how we were doing superheroes because they're very again of their they almost feel like two thousands, but this is a very twenty ten style movie. I've been told that in the second one, Jim Carrey is a is a scene stealer. Yeah. So. Jim Carrey was great in that. The second one's not as good, but it's still fun. And it's Matthew Vaughn doing what Matthew Vaughn does best, which is really stylized punch-em-ups. Hmm. All right, fair enough. Anyway, next is Man of Steel, and you can basically just take what I said about Henry Cavill and Superman from Batman v Superman and just apply it here. But I can add the extra thing of why did it seem like they were trying to make a Dragon Ball movie with Superman? I don't... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Right. Let's move uh, on. I'm not... Time for another plug. Hellboy. Go watch our film rescue fix for Hellboy. Yeah. We did a whole, like, hour on how we would fix the David Arbor Hellboy thing. So, I don't know what to tell you. Go do that. <laughs> oh, boy. This is a fun one. Joker. Joker. I I never saw Joker. The, the, oh, God. It's... The, everything around it was so unpleasant that I was like, you know, I like Joaquin Phoenix, uh, but I don't. I just don't want to be involved in this conversation. So I got in an argument with my dad about this movie. Yeah? Because he loved it. He thought it was great. Well, probably because it's a almost ripoff of, what, the King of Comedy? From... It's the King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. It's a Scorsese without Scorsese. And he loves Scorsese. Yeah. And I was thinking, and that's why you like it. This is a Scorsese film again. And I'm like, but it's it's terrible. Everything about this is just banal and redundant and dumb and too damn long. Uh, I will ugh. say, because no, we're in all spoiler territory through this whole conversation, but I remember reading about the whole, like, he thinks that he might be Thomas Wayne's kid or something, and and that, like, it, whether or not it's a hallucination or something, like... I just remember reading that, and I was like, that seems like a stupid writing decision. <laughs> oh, this is from the director of The Hangover. What do you mean it's not, you know, yeah. All right, well, I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything more. Yeah, it's bad. Let's move on to something that's good. Shazam. Shazam's fun, because Shazam leans into kid becomes superhero, make fun movie about that. 
Yeah, and that's Zachary Levi is great, and it's fun. Literally, the only real downside to Shazam is that the villain is not very good, but it's kind of the point. The I villain like is supposed. Mark Strong though. Mark Strong is fun to see him pop oh, up in this. Mark Strong's an excellent actor, and he does fine in it. But the point that his his powers are basically the bland gray version of Shazam's powers is, I think, the point that his powers yeah. are fun and vibrant and poppy. And then Mark Strong, who's this sad, dour, depressed person's powers are sad dour depressed version of him so yeah no they're gonna move along for brevity's sake uh the wolverine see what we said about x-men yeah i'd say the wolverine's a little bit better than all those probably as a movie but yeah it's still got a lot of the same flaws uh also i will say uh, just because um mentioned by scott in shazam watching a bunch of demons murder a room of uh, business execs is cathartic so (laughs) yeah i'm like eh, maybe a little bit but it's still a christmas movie all right Anyway, so uh, Wonder Woman is next on our list, and Wonder Woman is a good movie. Yeah, it's good. It's it's mostly a good movie. I actually really like the twist with Ares. Uh, I like oh, that. God, no. I like that I actor. I still get mad about that one. I, don't, I like it. I like the idea of Ares also being this like manipulator who creates war. So that's fine, but commit to it. I mean, I thought they did. No, because they play around with like, oh, he didn't actually manipulate. This was you know humanity doing it anyways, and. I don't know. Oh, that's World what War... you mean. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then making World War One his manipulation, like, yeah, World War One's very complicated. I don't know. Uh. Yeah, but to me that's why it works for World War One, because yeah. it's like World War One is this weird, nebulous, like the uh, treaty of nations kind of there's not an easy bad guy so the idea that the a literal ancient god of war made it happen fits in yeah, with its narrative very well. But they well. don't commit to that. And then of course there's our big dumb third act fight which felt studio mandated. Uh, and it was poorly executed, honestly. Yeah. So well, let's oh, greatest boy. Wonder Woman. So Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this fun one, if anyone remembers it. Jonah Hex. Was that Josh Brolin again? Yep. Jeez, Josh Brolin's in a lot of these. Yep. I just meant like comic book movies in general. Yep. Uh, I didn't watch Jonah Hex. I had no interest in Jonah Hex. I had no connection to the character from the comic, and it, I'm not really into westerns in general. So I watched it because again, this was near the tail end of I. We, the MCU would kind of started, but I think he's a good cast for Jonah Hex. But this movie's not Jonah Hex. It's some weird. Uh, I don't know how to describe this movie. Wait, but Megan yeah. Fox was in this. Yeah, this is her first Transformers outing. Uh, okay. I will say that I think Megan Fox gets more hate from our kind of circles than she deserves. She's still not good, though. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Fantastic Four again. The Fan body f- horror edition. Fan Four stick, where they, again, ruined Doom somehow oh, even more. way to ruin Doom. Yeah, made it even worse. So... Yeah, no, there's nothing that be said about this one that hasn't been said countless other times by people. It's bad. It's not it's worth... Bad for many it, reasons. It's not worth your time. It's not worth the time it takes us to say it's not worth the time. So let's move on. Uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. See my thoughts on Ghost Rider. See my thoughts on Ghost Rider. Move on. <laughs> uh, this is a fun one. Green Lantern. Green Lantern is physically hard to watch. And I don't mean that in a metaphorical, like, oh, this is so bad that it hurts my brain. I mean, it is literally so green and bright, and the CGI is so bad, it hurts my eyes. So, I will still take this over the original proposed draft with Jack Black. I never heard of that. Yeah, just, it's for the best. It was kind of a adult comedy version in which he uses the ring to create a concubine for his friend. Ah, so no, none of that. But anyway, the movie we did get 
All I know is that I I wanted at least good Sinestro. Because here's the thing. I my feelings on Green Lantern as a character are I've never liked Hal Jordan. I started turning around on Hal Jordan in the New 52. And I don't like a lot of the New 52. I think that Superman was done terrible in the New 52, but I think that Hal Jordan and Shazam were both done really well in the New 52. But before the New 52, I hated Hal Jordan. He was the most milquetoast, bland, like, superhero in DC's roster, as far as I was concerned. Right, so John Stewart forever. Exactly. I'm much more a fan of John Stewart. I don't like Kyle Rayner. Uh, oh, Kyle Rayner's got no... Yeah, he's, he's terrible. Actually, I don't like most of the Green Lanterns. Yeah, I like Jon Stewart, though. I've always liked Jon Stewart. Yeah, Jon Stewart's the fun one in the group, and that's largely carried on the back. But, again, Hal Jordan is better now. They, they've done a lot to make him more interesting. So, uh, All right. Do we want to talk about number this one? Well, I was going to say that Sinestro was the thing I was looking forward to, and then they fucked that up. So, anyway. Uh, well, we don't need to talk about Scott Pilgrim, because Scott Pilgrim is one of my top three favorite movies. I've talked about it at length and other things. We know that Ulrich hates it. It's a very good adaptation of the comic. They had Brian Lee O'Malley, the writer, actually involved in it, so you can see where Brian Lee O'Malley and where, uh, why is his name suddenly escaping me? The the director, you know, where they kind oh, of... Oh, god damn it, we did a director smackdown on him, too. Yeah, I don't know why. It's uh, He's one of my favorite directors, and yet his, I'm blanking on his name right yeah, now. Yeah, I can't get it. We'll come back to it. Yeah, anyway, point is... I just recently rewatched Scott Pilgrim two weeks ago, and I still fucking love it. It overcates it. It's okay. It's really just not made for him. It's not that it's because it's a very like whether you like it or not aside, it's one of the best constructed, competently made, edited, extremely well scored movies ever constructed. But it's it's literally its tone, aesthetic, and meaning are all antithetical to what Ulrich likes, and they're all very pro what I'm into. So it's a very polarizing movie. Good stuff. Anyway. Do you remember Cowboys vs. Aliens? I remember it existing. And also, yes, Chris Evans was an a-hole in Scott Pilgrim as well, further proving the point we made earlier. But Cowboys vs. Aliens. Um, I remember I that it I existed. It. <laughs> I did not see it. Yeah. I don't remember anything about it. I don't either. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was based on a comic till it popped up. I'm like, oh, there's a comic? Okay. Oh, I remember thinking that it had to be based on a comic. There was no way a premise... Like that couldn't be. Oh, that 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 feels like, again, what should have printed money but didn't. Yeah. So anyway, we can move on to another movie that's in my top ten, and I'm betting in your top ten as well. Yeah. Uh, Dread. I don't know if do we need to talk about Dread. We've talked about Dread a lot on this podcast. No, we do need to talk about Dread. You know why? Because it's still underappreciated and underseen. <laughs> this is okay. Fair enough. Fucking Dread is so good. I put it if I put it in my. Uh, 40k alike movies like if you're in a 40k mood and you're like damn it why are there any 40k movies i'm like hey you know fred's right over there it's got similar vibes and also carl urban who's always been great like always he's been a great character actor in a lot of things for years for decades i didn't even realize how far back his career went he's only just now seemingly getting a lot of mainstream like attention because of his role in the boys and he is yeah. great in the boys but he's fucking phenomenal as judge dread so yep. No, he's been putting in the you know work in the nerd stuff forever. Like he gets to start back on uh, Hercules. Yeah, I don't even care that he's supposedly quote unquote too old. I still want Dread sequel or something with him in it. Like we don't see the top of his face ever anyway. It's okay. Just let him be Dread. Let him fucking be Dread, please. So. Yeah. No, we need more of this. I want this conclusion. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, Suicide Squad. 
This is the original is bad, the bad one, one, right? Okay. Oh, hold on, wait. We got some information on Cowboy vs. Aliens comic. The creator wanted to make the movie, but he couldn't get a studio interested, so he made a comic, bought all their own copies to make it a bestseller, and then the studios were interested. <laughs> Surprisingly, few issues need to be bought to make a top comic seller. That's a very sad story that, that Norse Meat just told me there. So, yeah, that tracks. Because it sounds like an amazing comic that I've never read. But at the same time, it sounds like it wasn't a very popular comic. They basically rigged the system to trick movie investors into investing in a movie so yeah all right back to suicide squad it's bad it's ugly it's unpleasant it is in that same milieu as batman versus superman margot robbie is a beacon of light in it and outside of her everything else is basically terrible uh diablo is kind of good like he gets some emotional acting moments but but uh will smith is not very good as deadshot no Uh, so I don't know if you've heard the story, but they tricked him and Margot Robbie into the movie by telling them the other was already signed on. I did not hear that. Yeah, the only reason they agreed was they heard the other was already signed on. Literally the only, like, real good thing to come out of this is that Margot Robbie fell in love with Harley Quinn and keeps wanting to be Harley Quinn, and she's good at being Harley Quinn. But outside of that, oh, the actress who plays Amanda Waller is also really good at being Amanda Waller. Oh, yeah, we got a great Amanda Waller out of that. Yeah, but, but everything to do with the Enchantress fucking terrible she looks terrible her story is dumb the writing around it is like it 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 feels like they think the audience is a moron and i hate when a movie does that so all right oh a good batman movie in lego batman (laughs) best batman movie in a while if you say so i do like it though will arnett's a good a good batman it's a great one well it's fun because it is it is staring blankly at what Batman has been up to this point and going, you guys remember this is a thing for kids, right? Well, he's like, also doing the BoJack Horseman thing, but with Batman, where it's like, well, yeah. let's let's have fun, but also see deep sadness and existential depression into this performance. Yeah, you know, basically Batman. And I, I, I can't believe we didn't get more of this. But yeah. no, I enjoy this. It was fun. I like the fact that the ending basically turns into Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh boy, this is a tough one. Into the Spider-Verse? Okay. Yeah, let's let's keep it brief. Okay, it's objectively the best Spider-Man movie, even though I like yeah. Sam Raimi Spider-Man more. There. Uh, I like this more every time I watch it. Yeah. Like, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh no, fuck, this is... It's really also movie. probably objectively the best comic book movie, because it yeah. really feels like a comic book movie. So. Yeah. No, I'm excited for the sequel. Uh, yeah, we'll keep it short there, because... Done. Still got a lot to get through. Justice oh, League. Oh boy, the first one. Yeah, just it's, the original. Again, see everything else we've said about the Warner Brothers movies up to this point. One good it's scene. Definitely... One good scene, which is Superman fighting the rest of the league. That's it. Yeah. And even that's not a great scene. It's just a fun scene. And again, launched a whole dumb controversy. We're still trying to get out from underneath. Yeah. So other than that, and yes, uh, more shitty, horrible directors. And looks terrible. Like. I can't believe that a movie with that much budget can just visually look that bad. Yeah. All right. Logan. Logan's I great. I love Logan. I I know there's this weird turning of the tide against it because oh. everyone loved it too much. Hold on, real quick. Side thing. Uh, because of a comment we just got with um with Justice League. Joss Whedon. Shitty person. Fuck him. Don't need him. To me, doesn't invalidate that I still love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Still love Avengers. So that's a really tricky one. But yeah, for the record, fuck Joss Whedon. Anyway. Yeah. 
Uh, no, all I'll say is there's this weird pushback to Logan, which I don't get. There's a pushback to Logan? Oh, yeah. No, people, it's, again, it's overhyped. It's not a real interpretation of uh, Wolverine. Um, what, Old Man Logan? I mean, they're the comic of old... The, the comic is terrible. This is a great... I don't like Old Man Logan. I don't like the but, comic. I like the movie, yeah. but I don't like the comic. No, so. I love Logan. I, I, there, but there's been this weird pushback that, oh, it was overhyped, and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. blah. No, okay. This is... I will say there was probably something of just the first time getting to see Wolverine in R-rated. There, There is something very strong about that, I think, that affected it. Oh, 100%. But this is still a near pitch-perfect modern Western, and I think people, so many people miss that. Yeah, it's a Western. just try and hand wave away like, oh, just because it references shame. Like, no, everything about this is the story of the old gunslinger trying to seek redemption. It is just... Yeah. Well, I will say that again. Uh, like we just got a comment from from Scott that people will play Logan really seriously, and I think that's the wrong way because westerns are not serious. Westerns are goofy. Westerns are American well, mythology. It, it, it so. is a very serious movie, but that villain does suck. The villain should have been Sabretooth. No, no, I disagree. I like the idea that it's it's oh, oh, quote unquote young Wolverine because then it's literally Logan versus the Wolverine. There's a thematic I know, strength I it, there. That you have. Sabretooth was always supposed to represent the worst element of Logan, what he potentially could be. Yeah, but literalizing it, plus you have the idea that it's tapping into someone who is old looking back on their young self. There's yeah, so much thematic it. strength I, I there. I understand it, and I definitely do, but it's just like, I, I just want a good Sabretooth. But, oh! Oh, shit. Gemini that. Man. Really shitty for... Yeah, Gemini Man was boring as fuck, but... It wasn't based on a comic. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm just, I'm just saying that it got mentioned as another example of someone fighting a young clone of themselves, so... Yeah. And then Daphne Keen is X-23, who we all know Marvel is eventually going to do Wolverine. She should come back. She should do X-23. That's should, how they should launch Wolverine in the yeah. MCU. But my, my thing is, because I generally don't like Westerns, I like Logan, but anyone who doesn't like Logan, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. It's it's a very aesthetic. Oh, if you don't like it, it's fine. But I just, I, I really resent this recent push-up. It's not that good or it's bad. I, I think it's a good movie that you can just, anyway, yeah. I think it's a, a pretty good movie. Anyway, Venom. I, I don't like Venom. I thought I was going to hate it way more than I did. Now, me and I've got uh, Wretched, Wretched, who's been on the podcast a number of times. He's a big Venom fan in general, like a Venom the character. And I I have mixed feelings on Venom as a character. I really love villains whose primary motivation is the hero. It usually creates, like, good stories, and Venom is that. I don't like the kind of obsession with Venom as an anti-hero. I like Venom much better when he was straight up a Spider-Man villain who just fucking hates Spider-Man. Yep. So... I, I am very mixed on Venom because it's a 90s baby. I remember when Venom was introduced and was the coolest shit ever. And I really don't like this shift towards trying to market Venom as a hero, anti-hero, what have you. Yeah, now I admit, I went into Venom, I took two shots of whiskey before going that. Because, again, I thought I was going to hate it. And that, prob and that definitely colored my experience. But at one point, Wretched literally leaned over and went, Are you having a better time than you thought you'd have? And I went, Yeah. Because, guess what? Tom Hardy is having a great time. He, he, everything to do with him is wonderfully fun to watch. He is infectious. He is he is enjoying it. He's looking like shit all the time, which is great to see a superhero look like shit all the time. But, yeah, the CG's spotty. The villain is terrible. The plot is absolutely horrendous. The only saving grace for me is that Tom Hardy is fun. Yeah, no. I'm not going to rain anyone's parade. I think I've made my stance clear. I don't like Venom. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. But that's my opinion on Venom. Uh, oh, God, no. more X-Men movies? We've got 
what is that four more X-Men movies to talk about? Okay. X-Men Holy up, fuck this saga went on. Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, Days of Future Past, and First Class. Oh, shit. Three of these movies are terrible, and one is good. <laughs> okay, even then, I, I love Matthew Vaughn. I recently rewatched First Class, and it's got some pretty big cracks in it. Like, oh, this has not aged nearly as well as I remembered it. Yeah, but come on, man. Fastbender is a pitch-perfect young Magneto, oh, yeah. and Kevin Bacon is a great villain. Yeah, no, First Class is still the pinnacle of X-Men movies because it's just built on a mountain of festering crap. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I watched Days of Future Past because I liked First Class so much, and Days of Future Past also had the the idea of Peter Dinklage as the villain, which caught my attention, and yeah, it was dull. <laughs> and the less said about Jennifer Lawrence's run as Mystique, the better. Yeah. No, oh my god, I forgot about that entirely. Because I love, like, despite the problems with the X-Men films, I like that original actress's version of Mystique. Yeah. She was great. Uh, Rebecca Romaine was really good in that. Yeah, but I never bought Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique. No offense to Jennifer Lawrence. I've seen her in other things that oh, I no, like. All but... the offense to that. Like, as she got more famous and st- started caring less and less, she actively drove the movie down with her. Like, I don't want to be here, so I'm not... It's, uh... You know what? Fine. I'm just saying that I like her acting in other things, but not this she was never felt right as mystique to me so oh scott made a good point about the big central narrative being forgiving the bad guys for just following orders it's like that movie plays around with that and never really fully commit true in a way that it should have because it's interesting because this originally was tools as a magneto origin before wolverine origin crashed and burned yeah now and then i did not watch apocalypse or dark phoenix i heard nothing good about either of them Especially funny with Dark Phoenix because they that's now the second time they tried to make adapt the Phoenix story and failed. And the Phoenix story is honestly it shouldn't be adapted. Yes, it's big in the comics. It was a super cool thing, but it I don't think it's gonna work ever in adaptation. It, you need so much runway to get to it, and I think there's been so many other interesting X Men stories to adapt. Yeah, honestly though, with the whole um absolving bad guys for just following orders and this like professor x forgiving the naval people there that's kind of always been part of the crux at the magneto versus xavier conversation xavier is a turn the other cheek person essentially and magneto is the no we are going to make them pay person and to a certain degree how comfortable you are with how the comics actually end up resolving can come down to what your personal philosophies are with those kind of things so yeah scott hit the nail on the head like it works up until you bring the nazi element in from the first half of the movie and okay accurate accurate like okay (laughs) listen you are playing with two very dissonant ideas yeah anyway i i still like first class uh i think days of future past is boring and i will i will never watch apocalypse or dark phoenix despite the fact that i love oscar isaac so. I watched both of them. I watched Apocalypse in theaters because everyone said, oh, no, this one will be good. This one will be fun. This one will be, oh, motherfucker, no. Yeah. All right. Now we move on to the 2021 and 2022, and there are 11 movies to talk about. Okay. Let's not talk about the Batman because we've already kind of debated it. That, that was covered in our best of the year for this year. Yeah. Axel liked it. I hated it. Don't need to say anything more. Birds of Prey. I love Birds of Prey. Did this I mention earlier? Kind of getting shit on. Did I mention I earlier why. that the best thing to come out of Suicide Squad was Margot Robbie falling in love with Harley Quinn, and that she basically gets to do that in this movie, and that's fun. Also, fucking the Obi Wan guy whose name escapes me suddenly uh, as Black Mask is terrifying. Ian McGregor. Ian McGregor as Black Mask is terrifying. Yeah. No, this was the last movie I saw in theaters before the pandemic started. 
and I love the hell out of it. I still love the hell out of it. And again, this is one that everyone's kind of shitting on. Like, why? Well, I've got a coworker, or my Batman coworker. I told you about. He won't watch it because he loves Birds of Prey, the comic, and he in his in his terminology, the movie is not about the Birds of Prey, and that yeah. really bugs him. And I get that. So we have twelve different naming conventions before they ended up on Birds of Prey, because originally it was Harley Quinn, then it was Harley Quinn and the Fantabulous Emancipation of one Harley Quinn, then it was Birds of yeah. Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation so, of one Harley Quinn. So, Dub G in our chat is correct that the particular representation of Cassandra Kane is not great, but I will say that I love the portrayal of the Huntress being, like, as goofy as she is, and I also think that their particular version of Black Canary is super I... neat. I will solve this for all the DC fans. This is an Elseworld story. Oh, that's okay. There you go. Problem solved. It's an Elseworld story. Have fun with it. Anyway, Black Adam is a. I rem- I've heard nothing but things. It is a problematic movie with good parts in it. Yeah, no. The big takeaway I seem to be getting is that The Rock's ego kind of wrecked this movie. Well, because Black Adam is shown in this movie as an unbeatable force of i mean he's he's an immovable i don't know man it's just it's a it's what I mean, it's been described as one big put over for how great the rock is i mean black adam yeah but at the same time I, I the the argument against that is that a big part of the narrative for black adam is that he himself is a shitty person so like in the context of the movie so i feel like that argument kind of falls apart because if that was the case then the movie is saying some pretty not good things about the rock then yeah and I don't know. And Pierce Brosnan kicks ass, though. Every it, scene. Pierce Brosnan, I love that. I love that James Bond care our film where James Bonds have all kind of retired to be quirky superheroes now. Yeah, but every scene James, every scene that Pierce Brosnan's in as Doctor Fate, he is great. With one major caveat, they severely weakened him. If you understand Doctor Fate from the comics at all, they gimped him heavily. But he's still fun in the movie. So. Yeah. Uh, did. Either of us see Bloodshot? Nope. That's the one with uh, Vin Diesel, right? Is yep. the that was the other one that came out right before the pandemic that nobody saw. Yeah, I didn't didn't see it, so can't say. Ah, uh, there's Morbius. I didn't see it. I know that it's memed, memed to insanity, but Hold I did on, not watch it. Okay. Slagathor, do you want to come talk about Morbius real quick? Hold on, we're gonna get some live Slagathor's thoughts on Morbius. Okay. Yeah, it's Morbin time. Hello. Hello. I was trying to be... Whatever. What do you want me to do? Uh, you're the only one of us that saw Morbius. Oh. D. That's all you gotta say about it? Uh... D? Is that what she said? <laughs> yeah, she said D. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. Honestly, it was a background noise movie. I was bored. I wanted to see it. It was immediately bad. But I was bored, and I didn't know what else to watch. So I had it on background as I fiddle-farted around. Yeah, sounds about right. So all I can really say is it's a D. I mean, Jared Leto was Jared Leto. Everybody else was background noise. Um, what is his name? Matt Smith. Matt Smith. I actually liked Matt Smith in the role. He had a good year this year between this and House of the Dragon. Yeah, but no, yeah. he actually, I actually enjoyed his his role and stuff. Honestly, it seems crazy. like Morbius is more interesting as a cultural phenomenon than as a movie itself. So. <laughs> What? He said that Morbius is more interesting as a cultural phenomenon than a movie. What was that supposed to be? Well, because people joked Morbius back into theaters the second time. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Because, seriously, who thought Morbius was going to be a hit movie? I don't know. Like, I 
I was kind of hopeful for it because it was interesting. I've never really seen or heard of Morbius before. And I was interested <laughs> to see what happened, but you know, it's very no. I I was out within ten minutes. Like I said, it was just yeah. something. Well, that right there, you are you know the layman average <laughs> kind of fan, and you had never heard of Morbius. Yeah, no. Because Morbius is a shit Spider-Man villain. Yeah. He he functions as a Spider-Man villain though. He does not function as his own character. <laughs> no, God. The best thing that can be said about Morbius is he was terrifying in Spider-Man the animated series. Yeah. And the censors gave him palm leech mouths. Yep. Anyway, moving on because it's not Morbin time. <laughs> it is uh, Wonder Woman 1984, a movie that I, despite liking the first one, I did not watch because I heard nothing good and I didn't want to waste my time with it. It's it's a messy, messy movie. And it makes some really dumb choices. I heard that it's very obvious the movie went through tons of reworks. Someday we're going to get a tell-all about what happened behind the scenes that led to Wonder Woman 1984. I like this gif of Wonder Woman dancing that Scott just shared with us. So It's... I mean, the weird thing is everyone getting all up in arms that they're not moving forward with another Wonder Woman. It's like, because the last one did so well for the studio... Well, it I makes mean... me sad because Wonder Woman is my probably my favorite member of the Justice League. Like, I'm a big Superman fan. I will defend him. But the fact that Wonder Woman is... She's one of the big three, and she's the least popular of them. It just makes me grumpy, and I want her to be more popular than she is. I want more Wonder Woman, but I'm just saying, are we particularly attached to Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins when one movie is pretty good and the other is 1984? Yeah, I don't know. And neither of them have really expressed interest in continuing with the character up to this point. Yeah, that's fine. I, I just saying that I don't want culture to forget about Wonder Woman. Oh, no. Not I, that culture James will, Gunn, but... James Gunn, I think, understands the importance of the trilogy. Okay. The Trinity. Yeah, like, yeah. Where I think we're going to get... I think... No, this isn't one I'm really upset. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm bummed that, you know, we're losing it, but I think we can retool and do better. Okay, tell me about the New Mutants. I don't even know what it is. Oh, God, the New Mutants was the movie that we all thought might not actually exist. Yeah. Because it got a trailer, and then it disappeared into the reshoot void. Wasn't it like the the X-Men but a horror movie thing? Yes. It was. It was going to be the first horror movie, superhero horror movie. And that first trailer was really, really good. And then it disappeared into the void of reshoots forever. And then it came out during the pandemic. And we all saw it, and we went... Oh, go back in, do more. I remember wondering uh, after a while, was that trailer like a fan trailer? Because <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. It disappeared. I mean, oh, there's a lot bad with this movie. Like, it's it's not really a horror movie. Like, the big thing over is the main character is Danny Moonstar, who has the ability, you know, oh, if I'm remembering correctly, manifest people's big fears. So they're all being haunted by past traumas, and who. How do we put this? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name. No, Magic. Magic's in there, and you know what her big story is? She's they a, just kind of casually play around with? She's a witch? I don't know. She was gang-raped in Russia. Oh, ah, uh, ah, uh, okay. And they just casually toss that out there. And it's like, no, no, bad movie, bad, no. Like, all your characters have legitimate serious traumas. That's great. That one, you are not equipped to deal with that one. Yeah, not that, okay, and, no. And again, it, it, the only real point of interest is this is a division of Wessex Co. Okay. Which is Mr. Sinister's shell company, oh. which they've been setting up in the background forever. Okay, I mean, 
Sure, Mr. Sinister. That's yeah, no, he, he pops up a bunch in Deadpool and a bunch in Wolverine, and they this was kind of we implied building to. But no, it came out and it was bad, and we all kind of forgot it existed. All right, moving on to The Suicide Squad, the better version of the movie that's still, I think, only okay. Yeah, no, I loved it. This was one of the most fun I had in the movie theater because this was, again, during the middle of the pandemic, and uh, it's James Gunn. I like James Gunn. I like most of these characters having fun. We got Peacemaker out of this. Yeah, John Cena's Peacemaker is fun. Idris Elba is great as a blood sport. Um, Margot Robbie's still great, even though she's basically in a completely unrelated movie. So Yeah, no. Again, I there's a weird pushback on the Suicide Squad. I was I, amazed that Starro showed up at the end because that is that's a Justice League level threat, and then it shows up for the and, Suicide and a Squad. And it's looking one, but it works. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of noticing this weird trend in the last in the back half of the last you know, five years or so now, especially is movie nerds have kind of decided to retroactively declare every comic book movie that's came out recently as bad. You haven't heard that, but all right. I'm just starting like piece together like, oh, Logan's bad, Birds of Prey's bad, The Suicide Squad's bad, all of Marvel's bad. Well, hold on, I, are bad. I have a particular weird thing with with James Gunn's uh, with Peacemaker and with Suicide The Suicide Squad because I like Peacemaker, I do, but. They both fall victim for me to this thing where, like, I can't get my brain to properly be in the right mindset for it, I think. Because it feels like it's trying to be parody and also sincere at the same time. And that creates some sort of dissonance for me that I have a hard time putting into words. So I, I can get it. Like, he very much has his own style. And there's a lot of pearl clutching on, oh, no, he's in control of the DC universe. Now it's like, well, hold on. I don't think he's not individually handling every movie. So apparently Scott has a super Starro fan and he showed us a picture with a bunch of Starro material. <laughs> or maybe he was captured by one of Starro's, you know, stars. I don't know. So That would explain a lot. Yeah. And then Dub G mentioned, uh, was, there, was she called Ratcatcher or was she Pied Piper? I don't remember. But she was great. The Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher? Yeah, yeah Ratcatcher was great. Yeah, no, again, this is just fun of, like, oh. grabbed a bunch of D-list characters and made them compelling. And Flula was in it, and that was just interesting. He shows up from the beginning. Yeah, and Javelin. Yeah, he dies and gives his Javelin to Harley Quinn. And Oh, and then there's Weasel, who makes everyone uncomfortable. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, my daughter loves Weasel. Except for your daughter, yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, this is, it's a King Shark's good. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a weird... Again, I'm forming a grand theory. The only scene in the only scene in the Suicide Squad though that like really sticks in my memory is is Bloodsport and or is it Bloodshot or Blood Bloodshot or Bloodsport? It's Bloodsport. Bloodsport. I'm mixing up the stupid movie that. Bloodshot's the bad movie. Yeah, Bloodshot's bad movie. Anyway, but Bloodsport and Peacemaker having their dick waving contest with murder that that was great scene. Yeah, no, it's a fun movie. Alright, uh, The Old Guard, which I didn't realize was a comic, but now that I know it's a comic, I kind of want to go read the comic. What is it? You didn't see The Old Guard? I don't even, I've never even heard oh. of it. Oh, it's a Netflix movie with Charlize Theron about a group of immortals that, you know, have warriors that have lived through time. And I don't know, I got bored with the movie, but the idea of immortal warriors that have lived through time is interesting. Yeah, I have not even heard of this, not even a little bit. Oh, it was wildly popular, and everyone's like, oh my god, it's reinventing the action genre when it's really just people fighting in dark storage units. That's Dudley Dursley. What is he doing in that? The villain. <laughs> yeah. 
no, this was a big Netflix hit that everyone loved. And it's just like, I don't, I don't get it. This is like the least most, this is the least interesting version of the story you could tell. Huh. All right. And well, again, I, I, I get we're all having a big love for Sharice, uh, three. Sharice Theron. There we go. She is great. And, but no, this whole, it's reinventing the action. It's like, no, it's, it's just tight shots in narrow corridors that we're not really seeing anything impressive. All right. Venom 2. Let there be carnage. Woody Harrelson. My thoughts on Venom. Yeah. And basically my thoughts on Venom as well, except now add on to it. In addition to Tom Hardy being fun, Woody Harrelson is fun. (laughs) So talk about the internet's favorite bugbear. The Snyder cut. What a waste of fucking money. What a waste of fucking time. I've heard, I've, I have some friends who are like, oh, this actually is pretty good. And you know what? P- power to them. But I've heard people say it's better than Justice League. I'm like, yeah, it's like. Probably because it actually is at least one director's vision. You know what else is vision. better? Getting poked in the eyes better than getting kicked in the nuts. That doesn't make it good. Well, I would say that the one thing I'll, the Snyder yeah. Cut is at least consistent. It's not the, the, the product of two different artists' views being stitched together haphazardly, which is what Justice League was. So Snyder Cut at least falls back into, we're going to be consistently dour and sour. And yeah, I want to be clear, yeah. and me and Ulrich and I have been clear about this before, we don't hate Snyder. We actually like a number of things Snyder's done. Watchmen is fucking one of our favorite movies, period. But he was never right for any of this material in the first place, so... No, and this is just three hours of him extrapolating why he was wrong for this franchise and why Warner Brothers made the smart call the first time they shit-canned this. Yeah. Yeah, no, as, you know, W pointed out, it's fucking ungodly long. How long is it? I don't remember. It's like three and a half hours. Yeah, and I have a hard time sitting longer than 90 minutes for a movie nowadays, so... And it's got pretentious act breaks. Four hours and two minutes? Ah. Ah. No, it's just, it's an ungodly... uh, And it rewarded the worst elements of the internet. Norse meets right. Slog is the right word for it, so... Yeah. So, anyways... That is all the comic book-based superhero movies from the year 2000. That puts us at about an hour and 50 minutes. So I'm tired, and I still have to go to work. So <laughs> Yeah, no, that was long. Uh, kind of circling back to my central point. Like When people try and tell me that you know Birds of Prey is bad or The Suicide Squad is bad, we had, like, what, six X-Men movies? That More. Are just- it's like 10. <laughs> yes, that are abject shit. Oh, listen, uh, probably like six or seven, yeah. Okay. Listen, I get if you didn't like Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, but no, saying it is garbage when Morbius exists? Come on now, you're just being facetious. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man, I'm tired. I don't even know how to like end this. So, <laughs> thank you for listening to us, especially people in the audience. Uh, mostly it's been... We had someone earlier, but uh, Dub G and Norse Meat, you guys have stuck with us, chatted with us. It's been great. I like having you, so thank you. And uh, thanks, like, everyone, just real quick. Thank you guys for five years. Yeah, and God's willing, we'll be doing it another five years. So It's us versus the heat death of the universe. Yeah. All right, well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things, because now, more than ever... That sharing is incredibly important because the podcast market is only getting more crowded and our abilities to promote is getting more difficult. 
And I apologize to Dub-G for technically breaking our no MCU rule because Morbius ties into the MCU, but I refuse to accept it. I refuse to accept that bullshit technicality. Yes. Anyway, you can find us on any number of the podcasting sites. I actually have a list in front of me this time, so I'll say it, which is SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, as well as the FiresideAlliance.com, where we've got a bunch of other creative friends that we chat with and are in a different Discord sometimes. So, And I really would like to do some collaboration stuff with them, but you know, hard to do that with adult schedules. Anyway, if you'd like to help the podcast grow, you can share any of those things you can also rate us on spotify and please the internet gods <laughs> as always it's been lord commander Orc. and his shield brother axel right be sure to tune in next time and as always stay honorable <laughs>